Hi, I'm a higher ed CMO and I have a confession to make. Well, I think that having a digital community and being really active on social media is a critical part of doing our jobs in marketing and communications. I haven't always had a direct strategy for how to do that. And when I did start to read the book written by the guest that we're going to have today and saw her talking about intentionality and authenticity, it made me shift how I approach social media from a personal branding perspective. And I have seen my follower count explode uh, since doing that. And so I wanted to bring Josie on to have this conversation with everybody so you can kind of hear a little bit more about how to be a digital leader in higher education. Welcome to Confessions of a Higher Ed CMO, the podcast designed for higher education marketers. I'm your host, Jamie Hunt, and I am so excited to have this opportunity to share insights and inspiration. With Confessions of a Higher Ed CMO, I'm designing a different kind of podcasting experience. With each episode, I'll be bringing in a guest for a deep dive into the challenges and joys we all face in higher education marketing. After each episode, you can join the conversation on Twitter by using the hashtag HigherEdCMO. I would love to see this become like a book club, but for a podcast. And be sure to follow me on Twitter at at JamieHuntIMC. That's J-A-I-M-E-H-U-N-T-I-M-C for more opportunities to connect. I'm so happy to be here today with Josie Alquist, author of Digital Leadership in Higher Education and a very popular and in-demand speaker and consultant. Hey, Josie, how are you? Hi, Jamie. Thanks so much for the invitation. I'm so excited to have you come on and talk with us about digital leadership. But before we jump into that, tell me a little bit about yourself and your journey that got you to this point. Oh my gosh, so I was actually scrolling back a little bit and it was 10 years ago this fall was my last fall move-in with like student leaders. I was on a campus um, and I really kind of, this is honestly the time of year I miss it the most. Because, I mean, it's just palpable, the energy and especially this year you can, like we're actually able to like safely move in and do <laughs> events and classes so it was the next year that I actually was already in a doc program and just started to have my mind opening up to like different ways that I could serve higher ed. Um, and so I had a great advisor at the time say, well, we have the, we, you know, we've got assistantships, like you don't have to just work and you could start to do some research. And honestly, that just kind of took off like full nerd alert <laughs> so I was getting my doctorate and what my research was all about was how students were using social media and then I also had this other passion of looking at how campus leaders were intentionally showing up and this was like 2012 um, and so I mean they weren't early adopters but I just started to really see some differences both in front of and behind the screen and so that led to like me being asked to speak and starting to coach and consult behind the scenes um, and many uh, good trouble that I got into um, throughout <laughs> the years. <laughs> so when you talk about digital leadership, what do you mean by that? So it's an intentional approach to embrace yourself, no matter your position title, that you could make an impact online. Especially early days of my research, I would run into positional executive leaders that say would say would wouldn't believe leadership or influence or in, making an impact were, would be possible on a platform like Twitter. And mm. I was like, well, you're already kind of like set up for <laughs> not a lot to happen <laughs> with that perspective. Because I come from a leadership lens too. Like my bookcase behind me is full of leadership books. But none of them are you going to find how you would take, for example, servant leadership or authentic leadership. What does that look like on Instagram and or is it even possible? So I just started to what I called remix leadership theories 
and try to apply them to the digital space and where they fit, where they don't. Because also a lot of leadership theories were written by old white men <laughs> research <laughs> researching mostly white college men um, that aren't applicable today. So many of them already need to, to be critically analyzed. And so then I started to look for trends, both asking leaders like, well, what theories are you already drawn to? And then just seeing how they were making choices. Um, ex like <laughs> the leaders I found early on, what I just absolutely loved was students were reacting positively. Like, oh my gosh, what a thing we need to celebrate is that, uh, you know, a vice president sharing like one post about how they took their dog to the vet and then like three students the next day coming up to them asking them how Charlie is and Aww. she never had met them before but the dog was the welcome mat it was the handshake that sometimes we just don't have especially during COVID in in face to face or even sometimes an email interaction that I said there is something here like we need to stop minimizing these platforms i know they are problematic a lot but if we actually are empowering both campus leaders as well as college students how can you approach these tools differently maybe we actually have a fighting chance to make them a little better that that is awesome i I worked at Winston-Salem State for a while for Elwood Robinson, who's the chancellor there, and he had a really active social media presence. And I think it, walking across campus with him was like every student knew who he was. Everybody wanted to have a selfie with him. They wanted to be featured on his social media. And that actually was really eye-opening for me in terms of thinking about how I am present on social media and actually caused me to create a separate social media account for my professional self um, and kind of mimic that. But there's a lot that goes into doing all of that. And why, why do you think that work is important? Why should we be thinking about having a social media presence as executives? I mean, for a chief marketing officer to also say, like, you needed to take a step back and create your own strategy was the biggest gap in my research that I found. Even the most public presidents do not have a strategy or support behind them. And in any other area of their job, that just wouldn't I'm not saying wouldn't be allowed, but wouldn't be ideal. And I don't want to, I'm not recommending that we go so extreme as that we have, you know, ghost writers and like the account doesn't, like I actually, some of my favorite accounts from campus leaders to follow, it is them. <laughs> it's definitely them posting. But I do think part of leadership is self-awareness. You have to have some, you know, like deep thoughts about what's your values, what's important to me. Uh, how do I want to show up in this world, whether if that's in an email, in a classroom, or on TikTok, and then start to make those choices. So that's why I realized, okay, I can go out and do speaking and workshops, but some of these leaders actually need a little, it's almost like therapy. Like We're working <laughs> through their fears, their frustrations, their perceptions about platforms, or, you know, there's a generational thing too, like you don't want to look not professional or less than, but like your example, you can do some really simple things that can go such a long way. And again, what I am kind of trying to combat often is, especially the perception is, oh, you're looking unprofessional or why are you, you know, like pandering, but no, you're just being a person. <laughs> we yeah. need students to feel like they belong. And I think some of our campus leaders can be key ingredients in belonging. Not the only thing, um, but why not try to elevate that a little bit more into the pot? Yeah, I, I, I think that's so such wisdom there. Um, and it's, it's uh, to your point, it's another channel to be able to speak to students and speak to alumni or whatever the uh, your primary audience is. Right. What do you think leaders need to be thinking about if they already, maybe they already have um, some presence on digital channels, but they want to kind of amp up and take it to the next level? What, what advice would you have? Well, I think it's to 
again, look at these platforms just like any other strategy or way of being is just imagine if you could just have another layer of support. So I take photography a lot as an example because especially now that we're in person often, there are some times where grabbing a selfie or asking someone nearby to take a photo is actually probably going to be way cooler. But I, uh, I guarantee there's probably like three experiences this week that are it's going to be best for you to be like in the crowd, you're present, you're doing your thing strategize beforehand who's going to be the one taking the photos and then capturing mm. it. Or my example a lot is um, I got my doctorate in education, not in English. So there's going to be typos in what I write. So who else can help copy edit your tweets or some other, you know, like Instagram posts that could just kickstart you in order? Because the biggest thing I'm trying to work with with leaders is consistency. And it's honestly pretty easy this time well we're recording in August so there's so much going on you could just you could probably post too much right now um, but we know there's quieter times when you could potentially have some big gaps so look who else in your core team so this could be a grad student a student your executive assistant um, your CMO to think bigger strategies that could start to be integrated with some more strategic campaigns, even for the whole university. Hey all, I hope you're enjoying this episode of Confessions of a Higher Ed CMO. I want to take a moment to thank my friends at MindPower who are making season two of this Involify podcast possible. MindPower is a full service marketing and branding firm celebrating nearly 30 years of needle moving, thought-provoking, research-fueled creative and strategy. MindPower is woman-founded and owned, WBENC certified, nationally recognized, and serves the social sector, higher education, healthcare, nonprofits, and more. The MindPower team is made up of strategists, storytellers, and experienced creators. From market research to brand campaigns to recruitment to fundraising, the agency exists to empower clients, amplify brands, and help institutions find a strategic way forward. You can learn more about their work in the world by heading on over to MindPower Inc. That's M-I-N-D-P-O-W-E-R-I-N-C.com. And be sure to tell the crew that Jamie sent you their way. I think I like that idea of it being integra an integrative campaign with the whole university. Like that is, I think, critically important so that you're, you're having that sort of unified, I don't know if presence is the right word, but that or even message, but just that there's consistency there. I mean, you ha you probably have a different audience or a different lens than the main institutional accounts. I've seen some vice presidents or even provosts that, you know, they have a higher influence online than the main account or even the president. So why not leverage their voice to help, you know, get out whatever that main um, marketing plan is? So when you're in your book, you talk about using a values-based approach to leadership in digital spaces. Tell me a little bit more about that and why that's important. So again, the challenge that I'm up against many times when I'm trying to present social media strategy and especially leadership online a little differently is sometimes these platforms can feel like busy work that we're just trying to keep up, that... Um, we're questioning if we really should be on tools. You know, those are just for the kids. Um, and so I always want to get back to the bigger why. Like, what's your, what, what is your why for your life, for your position? Like, what's really calling at you? Because that's your values. So if I was to look at your Facebook, your Instagram, do I see your values even in the, on the screen? Um, what those, and that could literally be your strategy, is these five values you always want to have show up you know, mm. every week, every month, like, and I wouldn't, you know, maybe it's family or reading, like, it doesn't have to be really complicated, because then that's going to start to, like, get you in the feels, <laughs> instead of just feeling like, okay, I, I need to force this, because I do use language like authenticity in the book, which is obviously, as us and our identities are always evolving and changing, but we 
what we don't want, and I'm starting to see unfortunately more and more of, is a lot of robotic accounts for campus leaders because they have been a little bit swallowed up within marketing offices that it starts to just feel like a department page rather than a person. Um, like to even debate, oh, what should their username or can we own this account after they leave? Like, these are the wrong questions to be asking. <laughs> like, right. this is a person uh, well, you can never guarantee your president's going to stay, right? right? Let alone yourself. So it's an ingredient that it, it, the other goal within value space, it's personalized. It should feel true to them. It doesn't mean you're posting photos of your food unless, let's say you're an amazing cook or like me, maybe you had a really big fail in HelloFresh. <laughs> and so that's going to be an interesting story to tell too. When when you're talking about those like robotic accounts, I'm thinking about the sort of the stereotypical um, thank you to X student org for inviting me to do X or Y. It was so great seeing this amazing group of students and having just like a string of that and replace the X and Y with stuff. And right. That I think that can maybe seem like it's a formula, right? It's easy for people to do it that way. How do you get them to reframe how they think about what they're posting so that it has a little bit more intentionality to it? I think the personalization, it comes out a little bit like how do you normally talk and also to know the language of the internet is different than an email. So, um, you know, can can emojis be involved? Can uh, or which emojis not to use <laughs> to be involved? <laughs> this is also why I'm a fan of visuals from a video or a photo that honestly says it for you. Um, and it might be wise, for example, why you might want a coach to help cultivate some of that language or to point out to you like, hey, all your posts this last week started with the word or ended with the, you know, so yeah. we want to add some variety. I also have an empathetic understanding of like, you are going back to back. And so again, like, what is your other support? Knowing that your account really does have a great amount of influence. And so someone else could maybe take that to a more personalized level. There are some leaders that I follow that I love to see sort of how they blend their personal life in with their professional life. Um, is that a good idea or is that something that we should be trying to avoid? So it is the reason why I use the language personalization because Here's the reality is the internet doesn't care whether you have a lockdown Instagram account or you texted someone through a lockdown platform like the internet is going to take it and run with it. Right. So it's also why I teach a values base is like you need to live your life no matter if it's public or private. Now, I do think, again, through the leadership lens of self-awareness, you think through like what are the elements of my life that I do want to share? And this is within um, even a um, privilege, identity, social justice lens that some individuals in higher ed, sometimes based on position, can't share themselves. Like, like they are, there is a huge risk for them to share certain elements of their lives. So we do have to acknowledge privilege and power, which also when you kind of really dig into leadership by definition, there's there's a lot of dialogue to be had there. Um, so I would start with the lowest hanging fruit possible. So don't feel like, oh my gosh, am I going to share, you know, like about my faith or my kids? What's your favorite movie right now? <laughs> like what book right. did you just read? Jamie, I learned so many good books from you. <laughs> um, I'm like, oh, I'm going to grab that one. Okay. She said that one's not so great. Um, puppies, kid, like Yes, you should go and rescue a dog because I am pro-dog adoption. Um, <laughs> or just get yourself around a dog. Like, so I don't want you to feel like you have to overcomplicate how you could add some personalization to your feed um, rather than, again, feeling like it has to be more substantial of a, of a reveal about yourself um, because you do have to make some of your own choices. But like I shared at the very beginning, that example of a vice president you know, having to go to the emergency vet and sharing about it, the ROI was now she met 
three new students who had never came up to her before because she just happened to share that post because they connected and worried about her dog. Um, you don't have to have a controversial viewpoint um, be how you're personalizing. Um, one of the folks I follow, it's her pictures of her grandbaby and how excited she is to see her grow. And, you know, it's just kind of fun to see that kind of thing. Um, so it kind of, you've talked a little bit about purpose-driven digital leadership, and that is in your tagline in your, your website. Tell me a little bit about what you mean by that. I think it really pulls all the elements together that we've been talking about, um, really from the research and the you know framework that I teach is five guiding principles. Personalization is one of them. Um, legacy is another. That's basically that leadership ingredient, like what's the impact that you want to make. We talked about strategy. From what I have found, many leaders don't have it, and that's why we need to make a stand to say you need to have one. I don't need a built-out calendar or that you've like created posts for the next two months, but I do need you to have at least a couple goals and some tactics that you can track to know it's actually making a difference. And then we can like take you to the next level <laughs> with some with some uh, analytics from there. Um, the the other element is change um, in the five guiding principles and we've had to go through a heck of amount of change and <laughs> I know there's lots of research out there that some leaders just couldn't kick it and had a really really hard time these platforms technology social media whatever it is is going to change without our say and to be able to not just kind of go with it, but to surround yourself with people like you, like me, like people on your campus that can help be your educators. Because I also don't need a president or a provost to be an expert on TikTok. That's not the best use of their time. Unless they're <laughs> like super passionate about it and are like, no, this is my jam. My kids at home have taught me. I'm ready to go. That's amazing. And then the last ingredient of purpose-driven digital leadership is really been the through line of my work since the beginning is I have always seen the possibilities for these platforms for connection and community, not mm -hmm. just getting information across and promotion. And so I, I coach executives to have the intent to actually make a connection with another human, hopefully, not a robot on the other side of the screen. And then in higher ed, we want to see that as hopefully an in-person connection, an email, like what's the ROI then that we could start to track to know that this is making a difference. So you've talked a little bit about measurement and tracking and ROI. What kinds of things are you looking for when you're measuring that? Well, I think it's actually a growing area for campus leaders. So of course you can track real basics, like are your accounts growing? Are people actually responding? The same thing that we would look for in our, you know, like primary accounts. But we add layers onto that, which is, you know, like what are what's their next steps? Are they planning to stay in this presidency? Are they retired? Like how can we connect it back into their you know, bigger life goals and then institutional goals too. So we talked about campaigns a little bit ago, like how can we integrate and set your account up to also be part of these bigger strategies that the university is having? Maybe we know that this next fall you are making an intentional effort to connect with a specific subset of alumni. That could be a goal that we have for your account. That's why we are going to double down on LinkedIn because we know that's a particular tool that we could maybe measure and put strategy together that's going to help find um, alumni that have um, left the campus. One of the things that I have consistently heard from uh, senior leaders and executives throughout my time in higher ed is fear that putting themselves out on social media will open them up to criticism. And I do know um, one leader, and I'm not going to say where it is just to kind of protect this person, but they were receiving um, threats against their children um, because of mm. something that happened at the institution. And do you have any advice for, for leaders if they get into that type of situation or they have that type of concern? Oh my gosh, it's hard. I 
I had just one slice of an experience where I was getting some harassment and my account was getting like duplicated a million times on Twitter. And it almost feels like someone is banging on your door or like has gotten into your house. Like it, it feels like they are there. So I want to acknowledge a for women and minoritized identities. We get it twice as much. And, mm-hmm. and those are actually the leaders that I want to see even more out there. So that's where I also acknowledge like the risks that this does take and to ensure that you've done everything in your due diligence to not only protect your accounts from ensuring you have in your two-factor authentic, like some of these tools that we would already make sure that we would do for our institutional accounts that they're protected um but also i've had some leaders that have someone else vet for example dms or they would see a comment Mm. first because for example let's say you are in a time of crisis on your campus or you know a big announcement's coming out that's going to get some pushback maybe the best use of time for that leader isn't going to be getting this barrage of dms or comments but it is to do that town hall and to be able to fully show up in that zoom meeting and in in person so someone else is going to keep an eye on those so that's why i also think it's important work with your vice president or chief marketing officer like your executive is like who else can be support when things are not going great um and to notify the university to be a piece of the puzzle to ensure like okay i'm part of the brand and identity here and i'm starting to receive you know some of this stuff from the outside this is also where i am encouraging everyone listening not just if you are an executive like we and i this is my own life journey too jamie (laughs) is we need to learn to log off like leaders Mm approach any tool with intention and it is so darn easy to just not only to check email but to get pulled back into these platforms so then if anything in extreme isn't going to result in our best and so I'm trying to give leaders permission to set some of those guardrails so they can just even in their own you know, being recover that technology, you know, in excess can diminish that. So I'm integrating all kinds of more wellness work, whether if it's a workshop, we're going to do some deep breaths mm. and box breathing or, um, you know, so we, we need some more tools to take ourselves out of these tools. Um, that can be a lot. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, when I hear about people making threats against other people's families, it's like that's the dark side of um, digital community, but there's so many benefits, and I hate for that to scare people off um, because I I just, I love the community that I have and the connections that I've made through social media, and I think it can be really, really transformative for your career as well um, to be you know, a, a visible member of whatever community you're in. Um, and I think the ideal, and I've seen this in more of the influencer space, or, or I mean, even, you know, like very large public personas, is if you really do build an online community, they will come for you. They will, um, in the comments, like correct or call out those that are, you know, like, spreading misinformation or what whatever it is um but also know that well a platforms have some reporting things in in mm-hmm. place if you need to lock things down like making those choices and also like in anything else like file a official report like don't feel like just because it's happening in a private digital space that you know it's not real or that it's not serious um Mm -hmm. and so take measures as you absolutely need that's one thing um when i manage social media more directly that i was never afraid to take something to campus police if i perceived that there was a threat because at worst case like absolute worst case scenario somebody does something horrible and if you didn't if you knew or had an inkling that it's something that could happen, I feel like you have a responsibility to let police sort out whether that's um, a legitimate threat or not. Um, and th- that you should you should pass that along. Right. You don't want to be yeah. the person that's like, oh, well, the, this person saw it and they didn't do anything. Um, mm-hmm. But to pivot to a little bit more pleasant <laughs> thread of conversation, um, are there any people that you think are really good role models in this space? 
And what are they doing that sets them apart in your mind? Oh my gosh. So I have a whole list and I'll send you (laughs) usernames and things. So that's the other element of the book. It's packed with examples. Um, And I tried to get on a lot more photos than um, was approved by my publisher. (laughs) Because I think, honestly, following uh, like people that, and you almost like try them on. So you look at a president or a vice president and how they use Instagram. And you're like, okay, I like this part of their bio. That's interesting. They're posting this kind of theme. I'm not sure if that would fit with me. That's the nice thing about social is you're trying to do the self-awareness. And then the other element of like, okay, what's congruence for me? What feels aligned? You can be inspired by what others are doing. So even on Twitter, I have a few different lists that you could quickly find like all campus presidents that I've been able to find on Twitter or vice presidents or women execs. Um, So, uh, so honestly, mine um, are full of personality. Like what I, and when you think about capturing moments that can just jump off the screen and I'm not saying they need to be like wild and kooky, but like you can just see emotion. And this is why skills like photography and videography aren't just something that you can like pick, like it's a trained skill that yes, maybe you need to teach that to your president or that you you have someone on your team that can do it. Um, so Keith Carver, he's at UT Martin. He's on lots of platforms in Kelly Damp House at Texas State. Um, they've got people just capturing all kinds of moments, whether they're in a golf cart or they're doing a dance on the quad um, or just having a really solemn moment in their office. And I think the other element is storytelling. Like you said, you're not just posting and be like, thank you for inviting me to that. Like you're explaining what meaningful thing happened. And that might be surprising to people listening. Like, no, you don't have to just write a sentence. It could be a longer um, mm-hmm. copy even on Twitter if you turn it into a thread. Um, I also love community college presidents mm-hmm. because you can just tell, I mean, A, I think so many leaders are here for just such good reasons, but there's just something, I think maybe because I grew up in Wyoming and, um, you know, like I, you can just see their blood, sweat, and tears for these students. And so Mordecai Brownlee, he's at the Community College of Aurora. He also does a lot of interesting things with video. Um, Daria Willis, she also is doing this Instagram interview in her office series um, that's kind of like a podcast, but all on Instagram. And then Claudia Schrader, um, she's in the CUNY system, and she's just so her posts are just so alive those last two are also on peloton so those um i think that's just for me and another community that i have um there's also lots of provosts and vice presidents out there my original research started in student affairs that's kind of where i was baked and born and bred so melissa shrivers from the ohio state regina hyatt from mississippi state (laughs) tim miller from james madison um, the, I mean, and the biggest thing you're going to see is they are out and about, whether mm-hmm. if that is capturing moments that happen online or like literally out. And and this is another lesson is don't diminish even the simple moments that you have. Like, mm-hmm. OK, someone brought in cookies like, OK, maybe then you explain like why chocolate chip is just like the bomb or, or why oatmeal raisin is the worst thing ever. <laughs> <laughs> and here, so I know again I'm explaining these things and you're like that isn't the work we do we don't do cookie work yes but I get okay but you should maybe cookies are great um when you post stuff like that you build community so then when you do post the campus announcement that is gonna be heartbreaking or a change or information or something you need someone to actually do something with you've hooked them you've hooked them with cookies and now you're gonna get them to do the call for action um and then the last ones uh, some of my favorite vice presidents right now are in marketing because not only mm-hmm. people like you and jenny petty and kin you get the platforms you get the tactics and by role modeling your own learning and connection and community, I feel like you're elevating the whole industry. Um, And so those, you know, so I just have a few, but I (laughs) I wouldn't be surprised if there's more out there and I'm always finding more. So folks can always send them to me and I will 
I'm, I'm an easy follow. <laughs> <laughs> One of my, my favorite um, presidents on Twitter is Tom Chesney at Clark University. Oh, yes. Yep. I love how he also, he doesn't just post, he also interacts on other people's posts. Like he, yes. you, you can see that it's not just a, like a checkbox, like post this picture of whatever. It's engaging with the community beyond the initial post. Um, yep. And I just love that about him. And he's doing like those, you know, his most recent or his pin tweet right now is, you know, a cup of coffee on his deck, being excited about students moving back. And it's it feels more authentic than some other more stilted, I guess, posts. Um, what what thoughts do you have about like engaging in that community versus just kind of having a sharing tactic? I'm so glad you brought up Tom. I've done a couple like panels with him and he's in the book too. And I think another ingredient if you were to look at metrics it's not just what are they tweeting but look in their replies to see okay what are they actually interacting back and not just in their own posts Teresa Riley is another great one she's at um, Arkansas Fort Smith and and doing it in a way as if you were really speaking like in your language not again like this kind of robotic message Um, so I think it honestly should be equal parts posting to equal parts, you know, like interacting and listening even. Um, Mm. A lot of leaders that I've interviewed talk about first thing in the morning, well, hopefully not the very first thing, but they will just social listen and they will scroll and they'll like search a hashtag or a tag location on Instagram to see what their community is up to. Like it's not getting information just by what people are sending you in your email is not a representation of what's Mm -hmm. really been happening and to not be scared of it I think a lot of leaders are worried well I don't want to see what students have posted um on on TikTok or Instagram last night um and and I can get that and obviously if you see something some things you might need to say something but also the growth of further understanding and that's where again some interaction because I guarantee like if you were to reply to a student you're going to make their day. Oh, <laughs> like, yeah. Um, and Or just even to like a post that your main institutional accounts put out can really fill the cup of a social media manager to be like, oh, wow, my president or my provost saw this. Um, and so, again, it doesn't have to be these grand gestures. It can be really simple um, ways to acknowledge people in the digital space. It's so funny you say that about the excitement of being liked by the president. I, our president at Miami had um, a, I don't know, imposter account set up that was liking and following and engaging with a lot of people. And my husband and I both had multiple of the people that we're friends with on Twitter say like, your president just followed me on Twitter, like all excited. And like, but it it was it was like kind of this like oh my gosh the president is following me or the president liked something I said and then that person was the the imposter was messaging about um purchasing cryptocurrency so that was probably a a tip that it wasn't the real president but but yeah that can really make a student's day yeah well what a case study to actually see it work even though it wasn't real and (laughs) that's the other element within the marketing office make sure you're grabbing up usernames and protecting that brand um and keeping an eye out you know i've i find some and i let the president know hey just so you know there's another instagram account out there for you and they're able to you know put in a report and a lot of leaders i think would be eligible for um the verified account status if they're posting regularly and they're at like a certain level i would imagine and i think that could help that's something we've talked about trying to get um the president's account to be a verified account um so that it's less likely that an imposter would be mistaken as the real thing right yeah i mean and also to know that it's happening in lots of different industries like this last summer, um, astrologers in that area, like, <laughs> went under attack. Like, I guess uh, all these, yeah, it's just so strange where people, and again, it's they're always trying to sell something, crypto, or like, you know, I'll do a reading, and anyway, I'm, I'm letting you in on a little bit of woo-woo in my life. <laughs> <laughs> that That is very interesting. Um, it's in like when you think about the spaces you're not in, what is going on in those spaces right. is also interesting. 
If somebody wants to dip their toe into this, what recommendations do you have? And I will make my first recommendation is that is Josie's book. But beyond that, what recommendations would you have, Josie? I think like I was sharing a number of leaders earlier is just start to follow and pay attention to on just one platform. Don't feel like, okay, I got to get on all the things and I want to, you know, like do a competitor analysis of all those elements. And then just start to try on and situate yourself like how you might see yourself doing something like that. Um, And then seeing it, what's just the one platform that you feel like maybe you've got already some skills you would be interesting interested into creating just a sliver of a strategy and then set a goal I'm gonna post once a week on LinkedIn all you know all semester and hopefully it'll be like you know just like the starter set that then you end up posting more Uh, and then not just posting but maybe the second post is going to be the interaction and so hopefully Mm -hmm. we're going to build from there because what some leaders will do they'll go all in they'll be all active and then they get burnt out or they get tired so we want to my goal is always to find strategy that's sustainable and Mm -hmm. scalable so that means we need to build up to it um and then as we as we go, we're gonna gonna get your own rhythm and pace and and hopefully get some wins too. So you start to see like, oh, I did not think this post would be so well received, or students would be this excited to take a selfie with me. Getting those wins as we go um, is just really really a fun thing for me too. <laughs> it's fun to watch like goals be met and um, to see like, okay, yeah, this is moving forward, and it can be. It can take a while to build a following, but I, I've found that it's sort of, there's like a tipping point where you hit a point and then it just snowballs. Um, and yeah. you, you know, more and more people have access to you, retweet you, like you, that puts you in front of more people and gives you a broader reach and opportunity to have influence. And something you said earlier really jumped out at me, the idea of sort of having a goal for what you're trying to do big picture. Um, you know, like for me, it's, I want to elevate this profession that I work Mm. in and to help, you know, do whatever I can do to um, encourage empathetic, compassionate leadership. So that's like, for me, that that touch point has to keep going back to that. So I think, is that something somebody should kind of set up right away? Like, this is my ultimate big picture goal of why I'm doing this. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Uh, just you saying it is like it gets you in the feels right like it's (laughs) what's gonna call you back onto twitter not like okay i set a goal that i was gonna post every day on twitter um is why is it gonna matter that you were even on twitter will it matter and that's not to diminish you as a person or twitter but like whenever twitter goes away or like whatever it continues on to be what is it you want to know that you made an impact because you chose to be on that platform and that's within strategy you can start to look differently at, at each like the way you show up on facebook or instagram knowing people are in different places and maybe the impact that you want to make is going to look a little bit different on those tools too yeah absolutely i think for me personally facebook is i try to have under 300 people on it it's people I actually know and it's my diary <laughs> for all practical purposes it's I love hitting the like look at your memories and and remembering stuff that happened a year ago um but Twitter is an entirely different thing for me and I'm going to be dipping a toe into TikTok and um there's it's always like too how do you decide when does that platform hit critical mass that you need to kind of be thinking about having a presence there. Do you talk about that at all with the folks that you coach and consult with? I mean, I think it's the same thing with um, protecting an overall brand is grab up a username. If you have, like, I'm always Josie Alquist everywhere. Um, Not everywhere, just Josie Alquist. (laughs) Um, And so, yeah, I like on Be Real, I I have my handle there just because like that's ideally if I go on a new tool, I would hope that's what it would be. The other element to get on a tool early um, is for social listening. And that's how we learn is just observing, for example, TikTok or Be Real. Be Real notifications are driving me crazy, though. And so I had to delete that app. (laughs) But um, because those that we serve, not all of them, but do tend to be preteens, teens, and young adults who are 
statistically more likely to be early adopters on platforms that we are not. And Mm -hmm. so whether you're on them or you have other informants, just giving you a heads up about what's coming, I do think is part of being a leader in higher ed, just like Mm -hmm. any other trend um, within within our field. Yeah, absolutely. So one of the things that that you talk about a lot is empathy. And how does that play a role in being a digital leader? So the way I situate a lot of my keynotes is we do a walk through time. I was born in the 80s, Jamie. I don't know if when you were born. But I think about my early memories of tech and my first experiences with social media that would have been on desktop right and then I situate that with how old I was or was I in high school college and the choices I did or didn't have to make because those technologies were or were not available like Mm. Josie on spring break my freshman year didn't have to worry about you know a lot of technology pretty much today Um, young adults are, have to be hyper aware and are making having to make choices and sometimes those choices are made for them because they didn't even know a video was going on in the background because I get a lot of fear from adults and leaders about how youth use technology and and how they're turning out or or maybe it's even um, newer professionals or younger professionals and how they're always on their phones. And so I always try to start with, like, would you be a college president if you had Twitter in college? Like, <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know. Or I don't know if I'd be doing what I'm doing if, you know, I miss MySpace by a month. Um, and so that's one level of empathy, right? And, and also why I wanted to study students is we don't ask them directly a lot. Like, mm. do you actually love social? Like, or how do you feel when you go on these tools? And there is as much concern and resistance that we have, they experience it, yet there's a bit more peer pressure and performance Mm. elements and that really is where they find community yet we don't provide them a lot of positive coaching and empowerment around it Um, and so many times I'm getting in front of students with that empathetic lens to not just shame them um, but to give them like no just tell me how I can fall asleep at night. Stop looking at TikTok before you go to bed. That is like (laughs) a guarantee. Like, and that's like a lesson of mine, right? Like I need to move my phone physically away from my bed. Um, And so empathy though, doesn't mean, okay, we just kind of give over our souls to these tools. As leaders, we want to see which ones or any of them that are problematic and then either for our own sake or for the people around us set boundaries push for policies like know what these tools are and are not possible for um and yeah again at the end of the day like we just need more we need good humans more good humans on these tools whether what no matter what position that you're in um, I think we'll be we better for it, no matter um, what industry you're talking about. That's so true. I think because some people say things like, oh, Twitter's so toxic. And it's like, well, but not if you situate yourself in a circle of people that aren't that way. Um, certainly yeah. still bad things can can happen. But I, I find it to be more life affirming than um, draining um, to mm-hmm. be present on present on Twitter. So is there any reading out there beyond your book that you would recommend? I know you have a lot of blogs, blog posts around this topic. Anything else you can recommend for folks? Oh, gosh. Well, it kind of goes back to another comment you shared earlier about the choice to be outspoken or speaking out about specific issues. There was an article that came out in the Chronicle about how less presidents are even wanting to talk to, for example, the Chronicle or journalists. And we also see this in social media that is it worth to put myself out there or make this statement? And I mean, I feel like in when you work in an industry like ours, based upon values-based decisions, there are things that are worth the pushback. 
Um, we, we've also seen, though, like leaders having a statement about everything, right? It's almost like crying wolf. Like if you make a statement on everything, does anything really start to matter? What I hope, again, is like with a values-based strategy is it can become more clear when you need to really clearly make a stand. Um, and again, I think that's where working, working with a marketing department will significantly help you there. Um, as far as though other readings, again, I'm just going to push people to social media, like <laughs> follow. What are they, what are, what articles are they sharing? What are they posting? That's where you're going to learn the most because, um, yeah, just learn by watching and then get out there and get doing. That, that is great advice. Get out there and get doing. I love that. <laughs> So Josie, where can people find you? I know you said you're Josie Elquist on all platforms. And then what is your web website address? So it's just my name, JosieElquist.com. <laughs> um, and you can email me at Josie at JosieElquist.com. Um, I do live in L.A. If you're ever in town, <laughs> please, please let me know. I'm not always here. Um, but yeah, please find me on all the, on the, all the interwebs. <laughs> the series of tubes or whatever it was that that <laughs> senator many years ago said and uh, uh, before we wrap up I, I just want to say I'm looking at Josie's office and I can see in the background um, her books organized by rainbow color and I just have to like do a fist bump because like everything in my life is organized by rainbow as well shirts pants dresses everything like uh, you're you're um, a kindred spirit Josie well I am tickled that you noticed that. I actually just reorganized those yesterday, and maybe it was because I knew that we were talking. <laughs> but I, because I kept looking at it, I was like, you know what? That would just be so. That'd be like the next level, right? Of <laughs> yes. just. But I have done it to my clothes too. I just recondo my life. Um, yep. <laughs> so I appreciate it. I'll take a photo that you can you can share. <laughs> Yeah, you might have to tweet about your rainbow bookshelf. There you go. Um, well, thank you, Josie. And for the listeners, please, you can always find me on Twitter at Jamie Hunt IMC, J-A-I-M-E-H-U-N-T-I-M-C. I'm also on LinkedIn. Um, my website is thehigheredcmo.com. If you want to have a conversation about this episode, use the hashtag HigherEdCMO. Join the conversation. I'd love to hear your thoughts on this topic. And um, until then, have a great rest of your day. Let's go bust some silos and never forget you are worthy. Have a great day. Hey, y'all. Zach here from Enrollify. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Confessions of a Higher Ed CMO with Jamie Hunt. If you like this episode, do us a huge favor and hit that follow and subscribe button below. Furthermore, if you've got just two minutes to spare, we would greatly appreciate you leaving a rating and a review of this show on Apple Podcasts. Our podcast network is growing by the month, and we've got a plethora of marketing, admissions, and higher ed technology shows that are jam-packed with stories, ideas, and frameworks that are all designed to empower you to become a better higher ed professional. But Enrollify is far more than just a podcast network. Enrollify is where higher ed comes to learn new marketing skills, discover new products and services, and find their next job. We're a growing learning community of 4,000 members, and we love to welcome you into the fold. You can access our free blog articles, newsletters, e-courses, and more, or purchase our master course on how to market a university with Terry Flannery at enrollify.org. We look forward to meeting you soon and welcoming you into the community. Again, you can subscribe for free at enrollify.org.